Just Another Nightmare by Lee Harlan. Rose Roberts was exhausted. Her muscles ached and her head felt like it was packed full with cotton balls. She forced herself to pull off the warm comforter and sit up. She wanted to bury herself under the blankets and never come out, but she had a family to see off and a job to go to. The bedroom door popped open. Peter walked in, adjusting his tie. Babe, you getting up? She rubbed the crust out of the corners of her eyes. Yeah, I'm up. You look beat. Bad dreams again? Rose nodded. Yeah, that same damn dream, I think. Do you remember it this time? Just bits and pieces. She shook her head. It's strange. I think I'm getting sick. Maybe they're fever dreams. I tell you to go see a doctor before it gets worse, but I know you won't, he said. Who has time to go see a doctor? It's probably just the flu. Rose scratched her forearm. The itch evaded her fingernails like it was squirming deep under the skin. There were no hives, no rash. It was just red from scratching. Who has time to be laid up for a week for something they could have treated early? Peter crossed his arms and raised one eyebrow. She smiled. It was a good imitation of her giving their son a lecture. I'll try. Is Brandon up and getting ready? Yeah, he should be in the kitchen having breakfast. Rose yawned. Her throat ached and burned like she had gargled with scalding coffee. She vowed to get back to her lap's New Year's resolution and start drinking green tea and taking vitamins again. She stood and went downstairs to the kitchen where Brandon sat glaring at a bowl of cereal. Morning, honey, she said. He glanced up at her. Dad came into my room 20 minutes early, making rooster noises. Rose laughed. It's not funny, he said. You'll have to forgive your dad. He's an incurable morning person. He just doesn't understand why the rest of us aren't thrilled to be awake. Right. He dropped his spoon into the bowl and a splash of milk rained down on the goldenrod tablecloth. He stood and stomped off. She was too tired to start an argument, so she put his bowl in the dishwasher herself and sat down at the table with a mug of steaming green tea and an apple. She sipped the tea and wrinkled her nose. She aspired to be a tea drinker. She wanted to share that smug look of satisfaction and calm her friends always had when they drank tea, but it tasted like grass clippings stewed in hot water. Brandon grabbed his backpack off the kitchen table, lumbered out of the house, and slammed the door behind him. It was the first time in months he'd left early enough that Cheryl, the morning carpool mom, didn't have to summon him with five minutes of blaring car horn. Peter should wake him up with animal noises more often. Rose opened the door into reception. It was like walking into a showroom for Scandinavian furniture. Lots of clean, modern lines and strategic accent colors. The air smelled like eucalyptus and lemon floor polish. The receptionist, Matt, flashed her a gleaming smile that she assumed must have been obtained through expensive orthodontia and professional whitening. He looked more like he belonged in L.A. than Dead Oaks. Good morning, Miss Roberts. Good morning, Matt. She slid her keycard and heard the door to the offices click. Excuse me, Miss Roberts? Rose turned. Yes? Matt waved her closer. He leaned across and she could smell the cedar in his cologne. You have a stain on your sleeve, he whispered with a dynamic air of a co-conspirator. Rose looked down at her gray suit. I don't see anything. Your right sleeve. Looks like ketchup. That kid of yours probably squirted you by accident. He leaned back. You look beat. Combining law and mom life must be tough. I'd be more than happy to take your suit to the dry cleaner. Thanks, but I have an extra jacket in my office. Rose hurried to her office and closed the door. She pulled off her jacket and examined both sleeves. There was nothing there. Rose's head throbbed and her hand shook as she unlocked the front door. Brandon followed her in, dropped his shoes in the entry, and went upstairs to shower. What would you like for dinner? 
I can make stir-fry or spaghetti. He poked his head out of the bathroom. Can you make meatballs? She wiped sweat from her cool forehead. Sorry, kiddo. I'm dead on my feet tonight. But if you make the meatballs, I can do the pasta. Yeah, okay. I'll be down in a second. He was a good kid when the hormones weren't making him surly. She went to the bathroom and opened the medicine cabinet. The label on the bottle of painkillers told her to take two, but hadn't been cutting it in the past few days, so she dumped six into her palm and washed them down with a glass of water. The face looking back at her in the mirror was gray and haggard. She longed to curl up and sleep for the next week. A wave of dizziness hit her. Her stomach churned, her body broke out into a cold sweat, and her head throbbed even harder. She ran to the toilet and retched. There was nothing left in her stomach to vomit up. She collapsed to the floor, her face pressed against the cold linoleum. Her heart slowed down to normal and the dizziness passed. She sat up. Her throat burned. The toilet bowl was filled with blood, bile, and slightly dissolved pain pills. There was something seriously wrong. Her grandfather died of stomach cancer. His last days in the hospital, full of drugged-up cursing and pain-filled eyes. What would her family do without her? The sweatiness and racing heart returned. The room appeared to spin and wobble. She rubbed her eyes and the panic disappeared in a wave of dreamy calm. It wasn't blood. It sure looked like it, but it was just the remains of her lunch. She wiped her mouth with a piece of toilet paper and pulled herself to her feet. Her muscles released their tension. She flushed the toilet and went to help Brandon make dinner. Something scraped and dragged itself down the hallway towards the bedroom door. Rose tried to force her eyes open, but it was too difficult. She drifted deeper into sleep. Hot air filled her lungs and dust stuck to her damp skin. The rough earth beneath her was hungry. It drained energy from her exhausted body. A feverish, wet hand wrapped around her wrist. It felt very familiar. She woke, shaking, wrapped in damp cotton sheets. Peter snored softly next to her. She closed her eyes and put one arm over his waist and pressed herself tight against his back. Plummeting, crashing, Rose's body breaking onto the strange red earth. A sound like wet cardboard ripping and the warm filling her ears. She gasped for air, but her lungs filled with thick, warm liquid. Her throat was frozen, unable to cough or swallow. She clawed at her neck. The world shook and fragmented like a shattering window. Someone called her name. She opened her eyes to Peter's weird face. She took a breath and was relieved when the fresh air poured into her lungs. Christ, you scared me. I couldn't wake you up for ten minutes. Peter's jaw clenched and his cheeks were flushed. No. Every inch of her body ached and she was dizzy. I just can't stop sleeping. He examined her face and frowned. His eyes widened. Jesus. What? She said. His eyes dimmed and a placid smile curled his lips. I just thought I saw something, but I was wrong. Peace settled into her chest and her muscles relaxed. She smiled back. Oh, good. You get some sleep. I'll pick Brandon up from practice tonight if you want. I'll call into work, but I can get Brandon. Okay, if you're sure. He looked at the clock on the nightstand. I have to go. See you tonight. His shoes thudded on the wooden floors as he went down the stairs. The front door opened and slammed shut. She clambered out of bed, black spots appearing in front of her eyes. She stumbled to the bathroom and looked in the mirror. Her lips were dark gray, and blisters oozed blood and yellow pus at the corners. She blinked and her reflection dissolved and reformed. 
Her face was pale and her eyes bloodshot, but otherwise normal. She was seeing things. Her brain was clogged with sleep and that strange dream clinging to her imagination. She stared at her exhausted reflection. Her head cracked against the edge of the counter and she collapsed on the black, lint-spotted rug. How had she fallen asleep still standing? Call a doctor. That's what she should do. Rose lurched back to the bed. She yawned and the corners of her lips tugged painfully. She touched her mouth and confirmed that there was red on the tips of her fingers. She wiped the blood on a tissue and picked up the phone. She stared at it. Who had she meant to call? A grand limestone cliff looked over empty air and fluffy clouds. No ground spread below, no houses or people to tell her brain just how high she was. The air was the invigorating cool that only comes on the first real day of autumn. She was dreaming and she knew it, but even in her dreams a fear of heights lurked in the back of her mind. But there was nothing below that could hurt her, so the fear was thrilling. Her body ached and her feet itched to jump. She ran towards the edge as fast as she could and leapt into the empty air. She didn't fly. She didn't plummet. She dove. It was exhilarating. The air whipped at her white t-shirt. Her bob-brown hair grew to storybook length and trailed behind her like a dark, glossy cape. As she passed through the clouds, the air tasted sugary and just a little smoky, the way she had imagined clouds would taste when she was a child. A shockwave hit her and the air dried out and turned scorching hot. The clouds turned black and tasted like acrid smoke and rotten fruit. She coughed and her heart pounded in her ears. She screamed. The empty air below her had been replaced by desolate, cracked, reddish-brown earth dotted with trees that reached out for her with gnarled, leafless branches. As she plummeted, the air filled with countless screaming voices. Her body struck the ground and the air filled with the crunch of her bones and her own agonized shrieks. When she couldn't scream any longer, she lay on the ground, paralyzed and whimpering and staring up at the sky, which swirled sickly yellow and gray. Behind her came the sound of something heavy and wet being dragged across the dry, rough ground, and the sound was familiar. Some instinct screamed inside her head that she needed to flee. The thing making that noise was dangerous, foul, evil. A horrible, blood-soaked mass dragged itself into view. It looked almost human, but a human who had been skinned alive and ripped in half below the navel. Strips of flesh and viscera trailed behind it as it pulled itself towards her on skeletal arms. On each forearm there were brown, bony spines. Rose pulled herself to her feet and ran, but she was surrounded as far as you could see by desolate, cracked earth, and the air was so dry that it seemed to drink the moisture from her mouth, nose, and eyes. There was nowhere to hide but she could fight. She turned around, but as soon as its empty, yellowing eyes met hers, terror gripped her and she dropped to her knees. Her breathing came in short, shallow gulps. She pulled herself back up and tried to run, but the hungry dirt had sucked the energy from her legs and all she could manage was a shuffle. As the ground sapped her strength out through her bare feet, her stumbling pace grew slower. The inside of her mouth was so dry that it cracked. For a brief moment, the blood that leaked out moistened her rough tongue, but then the thirsty air drank that too. Her legs gave out. She dropped to her knees and tried to crawl, but as soon as her hands touched the earth, her arms lost what little strength they still had and she collapsed, the hot, dry dirt burning her cheek. 
Her heart seemed to pound her blood and energy straight into the dirt. The rough scraping of the monster's mangled body got louder and the scent of blood, pungent, coppery, and sweet filled her nose. She clawed at the earth. Her fingers ripped and bled, but she couldn't get enough of a grip to move. The thing didn't rush. She raised her arms to fight, but they flopped back down, spent and exhausted. The creature's weight pressed her down into the red earth. She wanted to thrash, claw, and struggle, but her body wouldn't respond. Its eyes, huge, lidless, and colorless except for a hint of jaundiced yellow, stared down at her. Its slender, slick fingers wrapped around her wrist and it rested its forearms on top of her own. With a sudden jerk, it jammed the spines through her skin and bones, impaling her on the dead earth. This was the dream, the one she'd been having for weeks, but this time felt different. This time it felt like she was dying. Her heart skipped and her exhausted brain summoned the energy to demand she open her eyes. The strange world disappeared and she could see the butter-yellow walls of her bedroom. Peter sat on the bed next to her, his face slack and serene. The warm, heavy weight still pressing down on her body, huge pale eyes stared down at her. It opened its toothless mouth, and a long, bloody proboscis came out. Rose screamed, but no sound came out. She kicked at Peter's leg, but he continued to stare into the distance, oblivious and peaceful. The monster leaned down, its heat radiating against her face. The proboscis slithered into her mouth. She bit down. It was tough and rubbery and her teeth couldn't cut into it. The creature was unfazed and the sinewy mass continued to slide between her clamped teeth until its mouth covered her own. Her lips burned as if the thing were covered in acid. A sharp pain and soft palate at the back of her mouth, and the bedroom disappeared. She was again lying on the hard, dead ground, and the air around her filled with wordless screaming. Blood filled her mouth and throat. She tried to throw the creature off, to kick or bite, but her body, rigid body, wouldn't obey. Her heart pounded in her ears. The beating grew slower and slower. Rose looked down at her body, broken, lifeless, dried to a husk. What was she now? A damn soul? A ghost? She tried to recall Brandon's face, or what it felt like to kiss her husband. They were sharing the house with a creature they couldn't see, and she knew that she should fear for them. But even though she was dead, the ravenous alien world continued to drain and consume her, drinking down all her memories. We hope you enjoyed your stay in Dead Oaks. Today's episode, Just Another Nightmare, was written by Lee Harlan and narrated by Edward Whalen. Music in today's episode was Creepy, written and performed by Nicholas Critney, along with other music courtesy of purple-planet.com. Join us in two weeks for the next episode in Otto's story, A Literal Door. For more information, find us on Twitter at Dead Oaks Podcast. <laughs>